Hi, everyone. This is the first Tech Out Loud episode. This isn't our first episode because, well, really our first episode because we tried this, but I am a dum-dum. And technology is hard. Technology is hard, even though we're in tech and even though we're naming our podcast Tech Out Loud. This is this is our life. Great. First Even episode. techie people struggle. Yeah. So I'm Andrew Saldana, and this is my co-host, Abby. Hi, uh, Fouch. I don't know if she wants her last name, but I'm putting it out there, I guess. It's all good. You can call me by my name. So just to give you a brand overview, or grand, brand, grand, grand overview of uh, this type of series that we're doing or podcasts um, is I wanted to create this podcast mainly talk about uh, how to get into the tech world, um, personal growth and financial growth and just everything that I feel like beneficial. I, and I do not know how to speak. Hopefully I get better. <laughs> it benefits everyone, um, especially things that I've learned along the way and things that Abby learned along the way. And um, I think it, just coming from a background of like having an immigrant family and just uh, not knowing what I wanted to do in life and then just getting into tech and learning all these new things. And now I could pay for really stupid stuff like traveling the world. Um, this made me want to really put content out there to help other people. And um, honestly, just most of the time talk shit with my friends. <laughs> so we're going to see how this goes. And um, yeah, I guess the first episode me and Abby kind of planned is uh, first talk about me and my experience and maybe her experience and talk about her input on things. And um, there's a lot of trial and error, so hope you could deal with me saying um and me not looking at the camera or I, I don't know. I'm going to get better, I promise. And hopefully Abby does. <laughs> Just kidding. Abby's doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great because I haven't talked, so <laughs> I'm doing good so far just sitting here. Yeah. Okay, great. And I have a very high tendency of rambling, so... Um, I make it Abby's job to kind of check me. <laughs> cool. Let me take over from here. Um, hey guys, what's up? Uh, yeah, me and Andrew just wanted to start this podcast to like share our experiences about getting into the tech industry. We both had uh, drastically different ways of entering this space, and there's just a lot to be learned along the way of how to enter it if you're not in this field, how to enter it from teenage years, and just how to like grow yourself through this field. So it's really cool. And Andrew has a really interesting story. So we thought we would first start by kind of talking about each other. And so you know who your hosts are and kind of what we're about and where we come from and how it's relevant to other topics we'll be talking about in the future. So um, we want to start with Andrew. He is the CEO of Vivas Tech and it is a software development agency. And it's really cool how his story started. So I want to kick it back to you, Andrew, and how... Uh, for you to tell us like how you got started when you know were you like 14-ish or something when you started with xboxes right yeah yeah so um it all actually really started when my brother gave me an xbox for i think christmas or my birthday i totally forgot but it That's was like the brother. first my brothers yeah. would never <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah my brother is honestly and i tell him all this i'm like if it wasn't for you, I don't think, A, I would have been addicted to video games because I got really addicted, and B, I don't think I would have gotten into tech. The first one, eh, I, I don't shit on video games, but it was great while it lasted, but also I had no social life, and I did nothing. I was antisocial. I didn't want to do anything and uh, except learn what this thing did and how to fix it and how to hack it say to say that wasn't really hacking it was more like I watch YouTube tutorials on how to um access like the system and the code and then just mess so with like it constructing the hardware you were messing with like the software uh, I did both so how how Xbox is I mean how game systems are made is like the OS you know how there's Windows or Mac those are operating systems 
um, Xbox has its own operating system and you kind of have to like, it's very, very strict. Like unless you could uh, put in a game console and it accepts it by like a unique code, you cannot do anything to it. Uh, at least the newer generations, like the Xbox One, was it? No, Xbox 360 or whatever, the one that yeah. I got. Um, so it it was very hard. So you would have to open up the Xbox, go into it. You have like these little circuit boards that you connect to it so that you can access the code in the actual board itself and then connect that to your computer and fuck with it. <laughs> um and yeah, like I spent months just messing with it and trying to figure it out. And then I finally got it. And I was somehow the cool kid <laughs> in uh, my friend group because I would be Call of Duty and you could get a thousand points for one kill or a million points for one kill and go from like, I don't know if you ever played Call of Duty, but you go from like level one to level 50 and like one game <laughs> and it was just a way to cheat i don't know why i did it i i've learned that it's better to like go throughout the whole thing because at the end of it i was like okay now what do i do i'm like the highest level there's nothing to do you like um, hit the max point yeah yeah and, and things just got boring so then that's when i went into other hacking I am too scared to go into to get arrested, so I'm not gonna go into that. <laughs> but they just um, became like so interested in like how these systems work and the code and like yeah. the things that make them tick. Yeah, and the biggest thing I've learned is, which it didn't really connect with me until I went into college, but I've learned that the systems are weak because humans are creating it. It's not a perfect system. Which, right, yeah, humans are imperfect. Yeah, humans are imperfect. So like, and you could think of so many, like, I, I want to make an analogy. Um, imagine Facebook. Um, if the like button, or not like, when there, were there was the original like button and now there's the love, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. sad face, etc. Like, if... Doing a like and dislike is only two options, right? Like you unlike the comment, so you don't like it anymore. That's like a side case. Now, think of it as a video game or a console when there's all these different side cases. And now, as a human, if I'm coding like the game or the console, I have to think about all that. And even if there's like a team of 10 checking that, there's still going to be uh, one person that just like looks at the code and then sees something that no one else sees and it just hacks it. And yeah. that's how honestly all hacking is, either that or your social hacking, which is basically if someone wanted to understand who Abby was, they could ask Abby a lot of questions and maybe even get really personal. And then now I have your security questions and now I can hack you. <laughs> Overshare. So, I've actually thought about that. I, um, it's been on my list because I just started a new finance channel about talking about um, uh, different finance questions and then talk about the different accounts I have and different things like that. And I've been wondering, like, I definitely need to up my uh, up my passwords in general because the passwords themselves are very weak and then yeah. on top of that you know just like I just need better passwords that's like yeah. especially if I'm going to put like this much information out into the world about myself and just like my nature of talking too much and being an overshare I don't think that's probably going to work well and I think I'm probably going to get hacked yeah <laughs> well I I think the biggest thing is I I, I don't know because there's it, I think sites are getting good at like um, preventing hackers. Um, so that is not such a problem. The, the major problem is if those databases get hacked, now everyone's screwed, not just you. Yeah. And then on top of that, like um, I think the biggest thing is not to have the same password for every single thing that you have. Um, my thing is I have one baseline password for things I think are useless or I don't really care. And then as 
things get more i want them to be more secure i add like characters or uh, words or something and it makes it long so my longest password is honestly like probably 18 characters <laughs> you know so annoying i think it was on a banking app it was on some like important app the other day and i had learned from you and another software engineer that like longer passwords are better and so i was like typing a sentence out and then it was like too long you can't have this long a password and i was like what <laughs> world and it was like seriously something important like banking and i was like i was trying to protect this password and you're not letting me go over it was like you couldn't even go over 10 characters like i had to create a whole new password that was like completely stupid and yeah. it, it, it just like wouldn't accept a long password and i was like how is this even secure that's <laughs> in the banking app or I, I can't confirm it was that, but I was like um, like immediately annoyed because it wow. was something really important that I was like, I should be able to have like a really long password for this to like have it be as long as possible. Like it was yeah. something I cared about, like all this stupid, like online shopping or stuff like that. I truly don't care about. It's like the dumbest password in the history. Yeah. Like anybody could hack me, but like something I was like, no, I want a long password to keep this secure and it wouldn't let me. Yeah. That's, oh. <laughs> that makes me angry like I don't think I, I wonder why that is because so what I've also learned about doing programming I don't know why I say programming I'm a software engineer but uh, <laughs> the the main reason why I, a lot of things are kind of like that is because the initial build or idea was like set in stone and to make the changes later for an app whether it's a next banking app or a small app it takes a lot of work unless you set it up initially to be easy mm-hmm. um as a coder um like but, they basically just had a bad plan and then yeah. as they grew the plan still sucked as yeah. far as like that aspect yeah. goes and then that that comes to a big thing like i think when you're talking about scalability of apps or a software it's it's multiple factors it's like how many users could be on there but then also how e- or like how easy it is to refactor or change it up and do different things with it like add new features um and i think that's the honestly pretty good thing of i think why coders or software engineers have a job (laughs) if if we did everything right the first time we would be fired or not needed and left alone yeah (laughs) so it's like okay you gotta gotta stay relevant (laughs) yeah make mistakes fix the bugs (laughs) yeah so which i kind of like been thinking recently is like is it am I a bad coder or am I just trying to keep my job secure (laughs) (laughs) No one knows. No one knows. No one will know. I'm just kidding. You know, this is an interesting thought. Like, uh, I'm not a coder. I work in marketing, so I'm not like any of the super techie stuff. I just work in software companies, which is why I'm in this podcast. But like, obviously, you don't intend for bugs to happen. So like, you write the code, you check the code, and then like, where do the bugs come in? Um, there. It's hard to explain, but it could come in every different direction um for example say what about if you like write like two lines of code individually and they each work individually but they might not work together exactly and the the reason there's a lot of trial and error or not trial and error there's a lot of things you can do to prevent that um when you go down deep into code everything is broken down into uh, like it depends on the coding language, but everything is broken down into binary. But even then, um, if you're using Python or JavaScript, something is either a string, which is basically just like each letter. It's actually a, a list of a letter if you're a string. So say my name is Andrew. Um, that's five, six, six letters in an actual list. And it's just broken down. Um, and then there's integers, which is just whole numbers, one, two, three. And then there's floats, which is 0. 0.01 or 0. 0.02 or et cetera. Um, and like the, the biggest thing is, or, or not biggest, but one of 
an example of having bugs, especially with like a language with Python. Um, you could say, oh, um, this function needs a string, but somehow this function passed a number. Now it's going to create an error because it's expecting the string and it's like, it's like, what do I do with this? So that that's just more human error because you're not passing the right thing or you're not converting it to the right thing. Um, but there's just a ton of things. Like I, I remember coming into uh, after, so my whole history of coding is going back to it. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, we kind of <laughs> got a little on a tangent. So like, let's kind of break it back. So like yeah. we were talking about the Xbox and how you yeah. were like, like not deconstructing the hardware but like get into the software rewriting programs whatever yeah. and then you started getting into hacking a little bit and then we stopped because maybe illegal information and yeah. then um then we continued so like yeah. you did xbox hacking and then what were like your next steps and to how you continued your path yeah so my next steps were actually going to um i did some basic html css like um, stuff during high school, which was actually really great because MySpace was at that time. So my MySpace profile was legit. <laughs> Everyone would hate me, but it was legit. I didn't even know you could code your own MySpace page. Yeah, yeah you could go into like the HTML source and like edit your own okay. stuff. Okay. I do yeah. actually remember doing like a teeny bit of HTML back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Like and slash P for paragraph or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what basically. I got uh so yeah i that worked out pretty well i also started i just going on a side topic i noticed that i think most of the time when i coded i did it because i wanted to be cool <laughs> but okay uh now i don't care i do it for fun <laughs> but uh so then i go into college or yeah money too <laughs> i go into college and um, I go in community college. I try like basic computer science. Uh, I'm really a math nerd. I hate English. Hopefully you guys can understand. My mom's Mexican. My dad was Mexican. He never spoke Spanish and never I was, or spoke English. Wow. See, see, I don't even know words. Um, Both your parents are natively Spanish, but then your mom learned English, correct? Learned English, but she's still speaks to me in spanglish <laughs> like if if she will speak spanish until i say what or que and she's all like she'll repeat it Change in english. english i'm like yeah. okay okay so yeah. you, i mean like you were born in the u.s so um obviously you know english but your parents probably spoke spanish to you the whole time at home yeah yeah and my dad never spoke english he, he just like hated it. he would not okay. he was all like why are you speaking me english like i'm not gonna answer to you i'm like god damn it okay <laughs> and i like would have to try now i love that before i did it i i, I wish i did that more and i actually understand that because <laughs> like Going to South America, oh, I wish I could speak so much better Spanish. I sound like yeah. a white person, apparently. So I'm like, what? Have you heard my friends? They speak like <laughs> way worse. Como esta? <laughs> Como esta? <laughs> um, but yeah, go ahead. so um, yeah, I was a big math major, did calculus, did all that, um, was... I uh, got my associates and was about to transfer into, or actually did transfer into um, San Francisco State. And I just, one weekend, so this is why I don't say I did. One weekend, I was like, fuck this, I'm done. So <laughs> I- And what was like the breaking point necessarily? It, literally, I got like the syllabus the first day. I'm like, this looks exactly like what I did in school. I mean, community college, except I'm paying a lot more money. And then, um, like it was the same course, like not course, just the same layout. Like, and also the, the, the things that they were going to teach, I already kind of knew or, or knew, like I was already doing my side research because my biggest things is I like to work on projects so I could learn. That's how mm -hmm. I learn. I don't, I don't usually learn from classes. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was just that and then the first I, I had two classes that week and I was just like I'm done I'm, I, I can't it's the same thing and um, I saw 
it, during that same week, well, I was already thinking about it, but I saw this coding boot camp that was um, like happening literally like a mile away. How, yeah, how did you, was that a pamphlet, a flyer? A uh, well, I was doing ad? research before, before I transferred. Uh, I actually got served ads like a year before, but I was just thinking about it. It was, it was kind of, uh, for me, it was kind of sketchy because it was like, you have to pay 12 grand and you have to do it like immediately. There was it's a like paying plan. 12 grand for like eight months. And it's like, that could be like a whole semester of yeah. other schooling. Yeah, It was like four months, but yeah, like it was just um, 12 grand. You have to pay, I think most of it immediately and you can do a payment plan or something. So what I actually decided to do was um, I previously won a car and $50,000, uh, 20% of that or 30% of that went to taxes. So I technically got $35,000. Um, and then five grand I spent on the computer behind me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, so let's that. back up for a second. Like briefly, how did you, um, what did you do to win a car in $50,000? <laughs> you're probably sick and tired of hearing this but okay <laughs> um, I've heard it a few times but yeah. like I think it's really so, interesting so um what I did is there was uh, I don't know if anyone knows Philip DeFranco he's uh, like a very famous YouTuber at least I think um but he does real non-biased news um and he got sponsored by Nissan that they were doing this innovation garage um like a uh, thing where you basically uh, submit your idea for an invention um, and out of those they submit two people judges uh, select two people I was one of those two people and then the majority select another person's idea and they we all won a car or the two people that the judges select won a car into 50,000 and help from a Google engineer but that was useless he literally came in like two weeks and just never replied so that's why I didn't go with the invention um but my invention idea was uh basically Neuralink which I'm never gonna let down <laughs> but it's uh it, the main idea was like you could put it uh a headset while you sleep and kind of similar like to Matrix but it went more in depth on what technology you would use um nano um Oh, now I forgot what it's called. And I'm probably, you could search Nissan Innovation Garage, Andrew, and I will be in the article. So I'm not lying. <laughs> um, but, and it'll tell you like my explanation. But it's like nanowires that are made out of carbon. I think carbon, some part carbon. But it's basically, they were uh, just testing these in animals. And it, it's actually non. Uh, lethal for anyone so like you could inject someone with a, like a wire and after a while your body will just absorb it and then just go away um long-term effects I don't know they're still relatively new but it's like that was pretty cool and I was like okay if I'm trying to get to the brain this makes sense now all we need to do is understand the brain and how do we feed it information um so I was one of those I'd people that won um I got that money uh, but the idea I, is to learn while you sleep correct yes. so you put the headset on and then because these wires are attached you're learning while you're sleeping yeah yeah and the headset I mean the wires are already implanted and you would kind of have like a like a little patch or like a, some connector or not connector I imagine it being plate. like a um cochlear implant where it like connects to the back of your head and actually is like a magnet to the cochlear implant yeah that's that's kind of what uh, Elon is doing I thought it uh, as a more uh non-invasive way where you would kind of guide the wires so there would still be holes or small holes but then you could also put like a plate or a conductor that could send signals to it so the headset would just you, uh, hopefully it would be small enough that people wouldn't move around but it would just go and connect to your that plate like oh. not directly like it doesn't have to plug in but kind of like wireless charging um and then yeah send that data whether it's bluetooth from your phone while you're sleeping or whatever um and yeah so what i 
I was one of those winner winners. Um, the Google guy was supposed to help me, but like the first two meetings, he basically said, "Yeah, there's no way you're gonna do this with." fifty thousand dollars uh, i was like yeah i know <laughs> but like how do i get started and he just fell off the face of the earth so i'm guessing they paid him and he's just like cool now he's bouncing yeah but you, but you get this money and what do you do with this money you're uh, you're you're paying for boot camp with it or what do you do he, uh mostly the computer food for a year because i was a college student and I wanted nice food <laughs> or good food. And then I still had about 15 grand. Um, but then, yeah, I had college. So I spent a few thousand going to college, but then dropping out. Um, and then I saw this boot camp. I still had about 12 grand left, but I still needed money for housing. So I ended up going to get like um, a loan for 18 grand, which honestly, I have no idea how I got accepted. I had no credit. Well, except for my brother's credit card. That I have like 20 years of credit line history, but that's, that, something. that's something, but like me, myself, nothing. So I was just like, what? Okay. I mean, um, most college students don't like, they usually have to have a co-signer. So you're saying you didn't have a co-signer? No, I didn't have a co-signer. Um, and it was weird because it's not, it wasn't even for like school or something. It's from Upstart and they're basically like a one, well, I think they're pretty big now, but um, they were a smart startup at the, at the time that would actually specifically fund for these boot camps. And it's like, oh, if you go to this boot camp and you provide inf information that you actually go into boot camp, we'll pay for it. Um, and then I think boot camps got the hang of that and basically guarantee you a job after and if you don't get a job you don't pay for the boot camp um now so Dang. that's pretty sweet that's how it was when you went or that's how it is now i think right when i was leaving that's how i started going and now it's like that so if you guys want to go into any boot camps and do that i don't know how you learn especially during covid but um if you want to do stuff like that go to i don't really like general assembly but a lot of people do that um hactor hector or yeah hactor um what's another one just search coding boot camps honestly the like top five are probably the best ones that you, you could see. do the few in the um comments or the description yeah, yeah. Too, that if you're you watching like. youtube yeah down in the comments um or description um, show notes, yeah. but yeah like a lot of them now if you yeah just get a job you I think you pay like 500 initially but if you and they're usually like 12 grand or something and this is not only for um coding you could do web design you could do product design you could do content writing I think now for general assembly you could do product management and cool. it's it's basically how I see it is like kind of like DeVry and all those other like specialty schools but it's a real like it, I would do it full time because for me at least you do the four months and that's your life like I was yeah, literally so tell me a little bit like the logistics of boot camp so you sign up and then you obviously went to a building COVID's a little different we're not sure 100% how it works but yeah you go to a building, like how, what do you think the ratio is of like teachers to students? Are they coming over your back and they're like watching your code or they're putting code on like a screen and you're following along or like, how does it actually logistically work? Yeah. So, um, it was, it, it was mainly one main teacher and then like two teacher assistants. Um, but then we would have like specialty, uh, people come in or like speakers or um, business owners or startup people. Um, and it's kind of like you get in at 8 a.m., you do like a small coding challenge, which would be kind of helping you for your job interview because you have to do coding challenges. And depending on the day, you can be like looked over you because that's how it is. And like, it would be exactly like this. The only difference of like us being on this call, but the only difference is you're looking at my screen while I'm typing and I have to be explaining what I'm doing and like what 
um, my thought processes. And that's how it is in a coding interview. Um, and the reason being is I don't think anyone needs a college degree anymore to get a coding job. Um, you just have to know what you're doing. Um, and people understand that like anyone could build something. You just have to understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's why coding interviews and some could be really intense like Facebook. Um, I know friends that are way smarter than me and get master degrees and all that stuff and they don't get accepted into Facebook. But also there's different levels of software engineer jobs that you could apply for. So maybe it was just too high. But, and then there's other um, jobs that are like startup. My whole thing is if you want to get into this job uh, and you go coding bootcamp, you want to go for startups first because they're eager for people just to build something. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and you're most likely cheap, even though you're going to get paid 35 30 to 40 dollars an hour for your first job which is a lot for most people in the beginning mm -hmm. um and yeah kind of build up on that but i kind of went sideways again so um yeah the day started as that you kind of learn do a coding problem and then you learn what you're uh, like it's usually blocks of in the coding world or product world or in also agile development, there's sprints. And sprints are usually like two week intervals. And you're basically usually making a project or making a feature within that sprint. Um, and they basically guide you through that whole thing of like, okay, today we're gonna make, um, or this sprint, we're gonna make a authenticating system, which is if a user logs in, how do you hash their password? How do you make sure the password's protected? Um, how do you uh, make sure that they could do forgot my email? How do you make sure um, it's the right email, et cetera? Like, we'll, and that would be a sprint. Steps. Yeah, that would be a sprint. Um, and then slowly at the end of it, like we're building these little pieces. And at the end, we have this big project um, of all those little pieces come together. And um, we actually, at the end of it, go to, I think it was called open, it's kind of like open mic, but you're actually just displaying it, um, your project. I'm probably butchering it. It's not open mic. I forgot what it's called. Kind of like show and tell, like a yeah, show that yeah. the code you've written. Yeah. And you're showing it to startups that might want to hire you um, and you explain what you do. Um, I didn't get a job from there. I don't think anyone really did. They just do did the it. startups. Are they techy enough to like understand what they're looking at? Yeah. Yeah. Um, most founders, whether it's one or two per, uh, people um, are usually technical and understand somewhat. Um, so I wouldn't bullshit or I wouldn't do that. Um, and honestly, that's kind of like my first real thought of like how people are or people work and how people just connect um because that day like I feel like I would be explaining it to some tech person and he's just like okay um but why did you use this like third-party library why did you do this and etc um and some people like some coders might not want you to use some other already pre-built thing they want you to build it from the ground up and other people just like I want to get it out. I want to ship it. Uh, like, and that kind of got me I, without knowing it. It made me understand like how I shouldn't take offense to not getting a job or something yeah. because people are just so different. You just sometimes just don't connect. And yeah. And like, you don't necessarily know what they're looking for. And even if you did, it doesn't mean you need to change like your entire, entire style of doing something. Like you might as well find somebody that works more with your style versus like trying to fit theirs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you did this booting boot camp, the coding boot camp, and like, so you know that was four months long. So then, like, how did you get from like coding boot camp to like owning your own software agency? Um, so I did a couple jobs. First, I did a contract job, um, and if you guys want to look for jobs, whether it's coding or anything around the tech scene, I suggest hired, and make sure you have a LinkedIn page do that I did that it was actually really great um and um 
the next steps were I just interviewed, I told them my uh, experience. A lot of people just see your resume and completely understand that you're brand new. Um, but also do your research and make sure you know what you're worth because the first six months I got really, really fucked, <laughs> like really. Um, and the reason why- What was your this, hourly? What were you starting um, off with? I think like 25, 30 or 25, somewhere around there. 27. And then what do you think you should have been getting paid? Um, that start around 30, 35. So maybe, about $10 oh, well, an hour? Technically, under? if you're, so it's weird. Uh, I was a contractor, so I was an independent contractor. I have to pay my own taxes. Me not knowing that, I priced myself or I priced myself at 40 but they dropped out all the way to 27 and I was like okay this is way better than any other job I ever got so I'm gonna accept it but um the problem is a you could get raises depending on the company but this company did raises maybe every year and, and to be fair like this is just common knowledge across like all careers is like the best yeah. time to ever negotiate a job is right when you're hired. So like, don't expect to get hired and like all of a sudden have this huge pay increase. Like what yeah. you're going in at, you're not going to grow drastically from there necessarily in like your first few years or like, yeah, you can long-term stay there 20 years. You're going to grow a pretty big salary, but like going in, that's what you're going to be around for like however long. Yeah. And then the thing that surprised me the most is I've learned that people in the tech industry or just this, the average span is I think one and a half to two years of like career or like staying in an actual company. That's really small. So if you're not going all in for the money that you want now, or you're not going to get a raise. So you're working a year and a half to two years um, for that pay. So if you're pricing yourself at $27, make sure that's what you're you're gonna accept for the next year to two years yeah um, I mean I guess I'd just say like in general like with my background it wasn't coding but I also worked an hourly job and when I asked a co-worker how much she was making she was making seven dollars less than me an hour but had two years more experience so I think everyone should like ask around how much everyone else is charging like you know, you have five years experience, seven years experience. I don't know how much you have, but like, how much are you charging? How much is somebody with three years of charging? And just like get the picture before yeah. you go and throw like this low ball number. And yeah. I think honestly throw it high. Cause if they're going to talk you down, they're going to talk you down regardless. So you might as well start high and come to like a middle ground that you're okay with rather than like starting low and then bringing being brought lower potentially. Yeah. And uh, I think the biggest thing is also don't, make it I mean fake it until you make it uh, I could catch so many people like that especially coders I'm just like you have no idea what you're talking about I'm not gonna give you $70 an hour like what <laughs> but then like learn I think if you're like learning into what you're doing and you get better you can put those high price points and I feel like whether I had a job a full-time job or not I was learning constantly and I even asked to learn on the job because they wanted a back-end engineer but I was mostly front-end at that time and uh I was just like can I learn and they most of my downtime I learned so I guess that's the benefit I got to learn while we're getting paid um huge benefit yeah I think like if you can if they're willing to hire you because you're the right culture fit if you have enough knowledge and you can learn the extra stuff on top like I think that's a huge bonus yeah yeah um and yeah so then how I learned how, basically again I was a independent contractor I priced myself low so technically after taxes 25 percent it was around 23 24 dollars an hour um, and I have to save those taxes. I learned that the hard way. Uh, at the end of the year, I did not, I, I didn't pay taxes, quarterly taxes. I still don't, but whatever. Um, but at the end of the year, I pay for all my taxes instead of having it taken out of the paycheck. And uh, that time I was like, 3000 I owed the IRS $3,000 or something. But I, like that's surprising <laughs> because that's like low. Yeah. Like I would expect you to have to pay like 12 grand. Yeah. Well, now I definitely do, but <laughs> um, 
and he, it's just, it was, it, it was an eye opener. I also learned because. Let me jump in really quick and just say like, if anybody's watching a general contractor means, it means that you're employed as a 1099 employee or in contract, sorry, 1099 contractor. And that means taxes aren't taken out of your paycheck. So you have to be responsible about paying all your taxes at the end of the year or quarterly if you're on top of your stuff. And so typically people set like 30 to 35% of their paycheck aside. So at the end of the year, they can pay taxes. Um, I have a separate account for like any of my 1099 contracts. I have that money set aside. So at the end of the year, they're not like, okay, I need five grand. Um, So that's what Andrew's talking about, that he didn't account for that with his first job. And then he had to pay like a chunk of a couple thousand dollars to the IRS. Yeah. And that was totally my fault. I didn't do research or didn't understand. I also, I I saw all these tax forms and I got like scared because there's a lot of information. But honestly, you literally only have to fill out like 10 of those little boxes and sign it's your name. It's overwhelming, but it's not yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah. And then honestly, and you could also just, if you're getting a, a contract job for a company, you could literally just say, hey, you give me the 1099 and I'll sign it and whatever. Like they'll do it for you. You don't have to send it to them. So if you do that and just make it a part of the agreement, it's easy life for you. Like you don't have to deal with that. And then on top of that, if they're a good company, you could split out your, um, you could auto direct deposit to your second account. So you don't even have to ever see it. Um, And I learned that also. Um, Yeah. Like having a split into two accounts is clutch. Like that's what's up. That money does not exist. It doesn't matter. And then, but okay. So you have to do that. It kind of sucks. There are some major benefits about being a contractor. A, freedom. I had so much freedom. Like I, they said most employees had to be in the office. That was the start of being me being remote. I was literally like, no, I don't have to come in. So I'm not going to come in three days of the week. So I work from home. That was sweet. Uh, second, Technically, I am a company when I'm an independent contractor and I'm not doing it through a company. So my laptop, things that I would need for work, um, my gas, all tax deductible. So technically, at the end of the year, um, when I have to pay taxes, I put those as expenses and that actually lowers what I owe. And maybe now I don't have to pay 5000 I only have to pay 4000 And I have $1,000 left. Um, to spend on bitcoin but <laughs> it was just like yeah there is benefits um i think there's also benefits of having your own job being auto taxing or auto taking out that money out of your taxes you don't have to really think about it um but yeah there's its ups and downs um, yeah i mean overall the freedom of a contractor is quite nice um but then yeah like all those benefits you did say but on the flip side it is really nice like when you are a w-2 employee for the taxes just to be taken out to have the option of health insurance to be able to you know like be really efficient at your job and get paid appropriately so yeah. if you don't need the full eight hours to do whatever it is you're doing that day and you work six or five or whatever you work then you're like still getting paid versus like contractor you clock in and clock out and it's just like it is what it is like I feel like as a contractor you don't get really paid for like your efficiency you just get paid for like your tasks which I don't think is a bad thing I just it's 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 pros and cons of each position yeah yeah um and that's honestly what I think everyone should think about when you're going into this um I found it a lot easier to get jobs especially in the beginning, I think the hardest thing is your first job as a programmer or just getting into this uh, industry. But after that, it's kind of like a breeze. You kind of like, you have more experience. It's always like that. I see those memes all the time of like, um, one or two years experience or no five ten years experience and it's like I have no experience but no one gives me a job because I have no experience (laughs) and it's like what (laughs) and so tricky yeah yeah. I always wanted to be like a waitress or something like that and it's like 
they always need experience but it's like how can you ever freaking get a job if like you don't ever have experience and nobody will hire you yeah it's super frustrating so yeah Yeah. so what comes down to it is just basically like think of it uh, yourself as a company or as a brand you got to be cheap and you got to be nice and the first job after that you're all like okay I know my value and now let's raise up the price yeah and just like thinking of it as a learning experience like oh well you're underpaid or well you're this or this just like for the very first job or whatever but hopefully you're getting something out of it whether it's what you like doing what you don't like doing new skills whatever it is you just have to like take that and be like this is why I did that job yeah yeah um yeah so you did the contract and then um yeah how did you go to like owning your own company so yeah then I learned I I talked to some people I learned a person that was still in community college was getting paid $40 an hour um compared to me so I was like screw that I'm looking for other jobs um and I just posted so AngelList is also a great place for startups to find um, investors or other people or software engineers, CFOs, etc. And I did that or not dot com dot co AngelList.co. I just remembered. Um, Donorglover.com. Um, <laughs> and uh, I did that. And I posted my LinkedIn and basically copied and pasted my LinkedIn into it. And someone contacted me um and they were a really small startup about four people they paid me almost tripled the money um i've went from being what making 20 no 35,000 a year 40,000 a year to making 110,000 a year in uh the span of 6 months um Dang. but they couldn't get another and this is what you have to learn in the uh, startup world it's all based on funding and traction so if they couldn't get another round of funding so they had to let me go um after four months three four months um but the good thing is i saved i paid off all my debt during that time uh well also previous contract um so I had money saved. And then uh, for some reason, I learned about Upwork. I forgot how that came about. Um, and all that is, is a contracting platform where uh, you could find anything, anyone that's working on anything, whether it's content writing, um, the coders, anything that you want. Uh, and it's the same thing. You're wor- working for an hourly rate. Um, but you as a contractor can put your profile on there and then people looking for you can hire you. Yeah. Yeah. And you do job interviews. It depends how tedious or how big the company is or how tedious they want the job interview be some, I just go into the first interview. like, yep, you're hired. And then they'll just test me out for three months and they usually like me. So then they keep me on or, um, it's a, like a tedious interview and then you finally get hired. Um, I've learned a lot of things from that. Uh, mainly there's different types of companies in the startup world. There's a really small companies that have no money. And I suggest, unless it's your first job, stay away from those companies because you're just going to have a lot of stress. You're not going to get paid well. Um, and it's just, most of the people are like literally on crack. They're just wired and just like- They're just working like day and night to yeah, like yeah. produce stuff. And yeah, yeah, it depends on what the type of environment you want to work for. Like yeah. that's busting your balls. Yeah. Then there's the medium-sized company, which I say is a sweet spot, at least for me. Um, I don't really like having a cushion. I like the excitement of almost losing my job <laughs> or something. So um those are better. They have the job. They have better pay. They don't have amazing pay. But then you also don't have to go through intense interviewing, which honestly I hate. I'd rather, hey, let's try you out for a month. Let's see if you could get this stuff done, and then we'll build it from that. Um, and then there's the major corporations, and they do it like every other company. You get pretty good pay. You um, go through the whole hiring process, um, and that's where I kind of learned that me myself. I'm a brand and I could sell myself and um, I started getting paid $70 an hour for contractor work. Um, and 
people say I'm good, but I still don't believe it. I still want to get better. Um, well, you believe and, you're good, but you believe you have room for growth. No, I, don't, I just don't believe I'm good. <laughs> there's a lot of things I don't. Yeah, put this out there when there's potential clients watching. This. Okay, well, I don't know. My from you can't reviews, not be good if you owned your own yeah. software uh, development agency. Yeah. So. From reviews and feedback, I'm good, but internally, I think I have imposter syndrome or just don't think. I mean, I'm like good. I think a lot of people do, but yeah. I don't think that means like you don't think you're. Hopefully, you don't think you're not good. Like you obviously oh. are building stuff, you're producing deliverables, you're doing a lot of stuff. So like clearly, you're good. Do you have room for improvement? Probably. Like yeah, most sure. people have room for improvement. And if you don't think you have room for improvement, like that's a different issue in itself. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So. Okay. Make me feel better again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then fast forward later, I joined Remote Year. Um, if you don't know what Remote Year is, it's uh, you travel while you work or not even a year later. It's like a half a year later. Um a drone remote year. Um, since I could work from anywhere, I'm my own boss. Technically, um, I just have to be going on calls and making sure at those times that I was there. Um, I decided to do remote year, which you travel. They kind of dealt with all your um, accommodations, your workspace, um, your transportation, and you pay. A, it was a flat rate at my time of two grand a month um, and $5,000 deposit. I, I don't think they're a company anymore, but I don't know. <laughs> they got acquired by Selena Hostel brand. Okay. So, yeah, so I, think remote year, I think remote years are going to survive. And okay. my guess is that the accommodation will be via Selena's, but I'm not okay. sure. Okay. Okay. Um, which was a really great experience. I went to multiple countries and got to work most of the time. Um, when I got to Asia, it got really hard and I just dropped half my clients. Um, but luckily I have enough, enough savings. Um, and during that whole process, again, I learned I was my own, own brand, um, met some great people. Another thing I say in tech world, and honestly, probably every world um, or every industry make connections because going on remote year was honestly a really at that time I saw it as a party time but really 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 good place to make connections for your careers or just anything like people are like oh you're a coder you want this job oh you want this job blah 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 and like I never really had to worry about not having a job because if I wanted to I could just find just from the people I knew and because I already had a direct connection to them they would want to continue working or they immediately worked with me because they knew who I was and what my character was and if I'm a hard worker or not. So yeah, it was great. Um, and during that time, I met Jeff, who's a CTO of Evis. Um, and we got our first client, Tala, and we got a pretty good hourly rate. I don't know if I could say that. I need to read contracts again. But, yeah, we'll just keep that out. But yeah. <laughs> um, it was mainly me and him, but then it started being mainly me and I was just coding, getting agency pay. Um, and that kind of built up and uh, the connections I made at Tala got me another job for another company. And then it kind of just went rolling until um, I actually hired Abby and we tried doing marketing and doing all this stuff. And that went pretty well pretty not well but <laughs> not not abby abby is great job and i miss her but whatever <laughs> it's fine um but like uh it was a learning lesson and honestly i think i'm still gonna do this agency work i love it uh i don't think like my first job my first job was literally a, a security guard for like a car dealership or not even car dealership they just store mercedes cars and i hated that i feel like that was kind of service industry because i would just have to check people in um and now i kind of have the same feeling i don't 
like being in service of like companies because people are naggy. <laughs> so now I just want to build a product and that's kind of where I'm diverting, but I'm still keeping Vivas because my clients still love me and love my company. So I still want and to slowly build that. And you love them. And I love them. <laughs> I love most of them. I love 99% <laughs> of them. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it's just... it kind of just happens it's weird like I think a lot of people kind of get down on themselves and I was like this when I was playing video games I've I did YouTube channel uh or I had a YouTube channel a gaming channel and all I wanted to be was to be good at something and I feel like I was just forcing it a lot of the time which is good but I think people have to understand is like you do your best and then as chances come along you take those chances and you just keep doing it and you just keep building and then you just keep getting more risk I don't know taking more risk on like oh this job this company wants me they wanted $70 maybe I should push it to $80 and then they're all like, okay, yeah, sure. And I'm like, okay, just take those risks. And yeah, whether it's money or anything. I think it's truly a live and you learn and you don't know. And like, even the other day at work, I made like a really stupid mistake and I was so annoyed at myself. And it was something stupid. Like I was like building the survey and I should have asked the software like a more specific question. I didn't. And it was just like this really dumb thing where I was just like, I will never freaking make that mistake again. I was so annoyed, but it's just like, I've never built a survey before. It was my first one. It was the first soft time. It was the first time I used the software. Like, you gotta give yourself some breaks. And it's just like, it yeah. sucked because I added an extra hour to two hours to work to my day. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, any other survey I build from here on out, I'll never make that mistake again. And so I think like, that's just a really small example, but you know, taking those lower paying jobs and learning what you like and dislike and then taking the higher paying jobs and then you know deciding you know to not be a contractor and to accept a full-time job and I think it's just like you go with the flow and see what happens and know like I think being smart financially allows you to be in those positions where you can take those risks if you need to but if you're not smart financially and you don't have a savings or you don't have an emergency fund you you lose the opportunity to take some of those um, opportunities or risks or whatever they may be yeah and I think Abby yeah went on a really great point my biggest focus right when I got out of the coding boot camp was to get out of debt The I did not want to have any of that coding boot camp debt and I did not want to have student loans I didn't want to have credit card debt and that was a big game changer once I did that I feel like I had so much more room to breathe and just do anything I wanted to do I still had to pay for like rent and other stuff but like it was great it was it's a really smart thing and I know a lot of people don't have that possibility but you also have to think like what can I take out should I not buy Starbucks every day should I not go out drinking with my friends every day maybe COVID a great time to start but um yeah and I think that was a really smart choice and now I kind of I kind of understand money and how easy at least for me to make money now if I go to zero I am not scared (laughs) I think I could easily make money and I think that's largely in part because you're not in debt and I just think if you can pay off your debt you just set yourself up for a lot more freedom in the flexibility of your choices because again, like I said, like you just can't take those risks sometimes when you have a monthly payment to your debt and you have to have a job to pay that. So yeah, yeah, you really set yourself up well by crushing that debt as soon as you could and then moving from there and being able to take random risks and like letting it truly just like take you on this journey of whatever it may be. Yeah, and I I think I want to tell everyone this is it's also okay to be in debt but understand why you're going in debt. If you're going in debt to buy a really nice car and if it's your dream car and you have the money, go ahead. I say go ahead. But if you're doing it to impress people or to make your life feel happier, I would second think that 
because it's honestly it will feel good for the first 10 minutes or week and then now you're paying this 500 dollar car monthly payment for the next five years and people just don't see that they just see a brand new car or like oh i could just put five thousand dollars down like that's that's not only what you're putting you it's a commitment maybe i'm scared of commitments but (laughs) no i mean like this is different i yeah i completely agree i'm not really here for buying like bougie showy things just to say you have it and then be in debt and like not be happy because you would work super hard pay off the debt payment and then like you don't even get to drive or utilize this like fancy thing you bought so yeah um cool well I think we covered most of your story did we you know we kind of went from like 16 year old xbox to um going to community college to dropping out to going to boot uh, coding boot camp to owning your own software development agency is that pretty much the story so far and it's it's to be continued you know you still have this development agency and we're seeing where it goes and like how long you want to continue down this path and maybe another episode sometime would be just like you know the logistics of like starting your own software development agency and like how you got to a point where you could hire a few people and like our marketing journey and then hiring some other developers and things like that and how that's gone the the good and the bad and the ugly yeah and then we'll talk about abby's life too and good and bad ugly of her (laughs) (laughs) yeah we can give you a little insight to me next time on to where i came from and why it's relevant (laughs) yeah all right this has been tech out loud and i hope you guys like it uh i am very awkward sometimes especially when trying to do things (laughs) um but yeah thank you abby for this. Yeah, uh, thanks for listening, guys. It was our first episode, so a lot more to come, a lot of more random topics, good topics. Hopefully, you could learn something along the way. So, thank you for listening. Yeah. Bye. And bye.